Where are we? We are on the last days of Jesus' life. The Bible actually has quite a bit of time. The Gospels have a lot of time um, dedicated to the last week of Jesus Christ. Uh, this right here, we are looking at um, topo topographical map of the temple and <coughs> the palace of, um, yeah, of Pilate. Um, around the last days of Jesus' life, we are going to be seeing uh, the time. Welcome. Uh, the youth group, if you want to go to the youth group, they're in room three, or you can stay out here. Um, all right, so we are, uh, yeah, last days of Jesus. Um, if you remember, he had his, his days of popularity were at the beginning of his ministry, those last three years, and that lasted for a little bit. And then after that, he went to what we call his years of opposition, his, um, um, and then he goes into um, Judah, and around AD 29, he knows that it's time for him to go to Jerusalem and fulfill his purpose, which was life, burial, and life. And so we go see that he goes to the, um, during the, the, see we already talked about Lazarus, haven't we? Yes, yes? okay, I want to make sure I'm not skipping anything. Uh, he rides in, into the temple in Solomon's porch, and it comes down to his last days. In the last days of Jesus uh, Jesus and his disciples will eat in the Passover uh, in a secret location. Why do you think it's a secret location? Well, they're not really Christians yet, but you're on the right path. Because they didn't want them to die yet. <laughs> it's not time yet. This, this, the, he's in the temple. Remember, he just turned over the, or he, I, he goes to the temple um, and turns over the, the, the money changing tables and runs them out. Mark says he uses a weapon. Anyone, what weapon does he use? A whip. He, well, he uses a cord as a whip to drive them out. It's the only time Jesus touches a weapon, as far as we're told. Um, and um, so he's at this time where it's very hostile to him. So he goes to a secret room so that he can have these last meals with his disciple before he dies. Um, so they have to have it in the secret. And even there, that's Judas will leave at night to betray him. Um, and that's talked about in, what, John 13, where Judas will be... Um, and, and I'm going to end up skipping a lot of these, these um, 
if you look at the, the, light, the last week of Jesus, there's the Palm Sunday where he rides in. But he spends a great deal of time teaching. And there's some wonderful teachings here that we love talking about. And I'm not going to go through them at this particular junction because we don't, um, well, because it's an introduction class. And I don't want to get lost in them. But, uh, <laughs> but um, like the, the parable of the fig tree is a wonderful thing a lot of people have done with, and it's a great, great parable. And, and there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the, the things that we comment on, like, what's the greatest commandment? That's in this week. And, uh, you know, um, the example of the poor widow, you know, who brings the last bit of her money, and uh, that's in the last week. Um, and that'll be on Tuesday when he gives a lot of that. Um, anyways, on Lord's Supper, um, Jesus at, at night, Judas will will leave to betray him, and uh, it, see, it says that uh, Satan enters him, and he's um, and there's a whole bunch of stuff we could say about Judas, and so we've already said a lot of it. Um, you know what actually happened to him what's going on is is still a a mystery we know that he does betray jesus for money and which he later regrets and hangs himself um but he leaves and he and then jesus goes to the gethsemane to um pray and we don't and there's an argument here See, we know on Monday and Tuesday what he does. Wednesday, he either rests or this all takes place on Wednesday. And then there's Thursday and Friday because Thursday would have been a holiday. And so, so we don't know if this was... Tradition is that Good Friday, have, that, you know, that it, it, he dies on Friday. However, there's a very good, strong argument that it might have been Thursday. Um, and I think if the Bible was like, this is really important that you need to know, it would have just flat out said, but it doesn't. It says there's a Sabbath and the question comes down to, was there two days of Sabbath at this particular juncture or just one? And that depends on what year you put it in. Which we've already said we can't know. <laughs> because if it lined up right, there is a holiday that comes right before the Sabbath, and it could have been a two-day uh, celebrate, a two-day Sabbath. The idea is we don't know. Um, the biggest reason people argue for this is because the sign of Jonah. Three days and three nights. If he enters in it on Thursday night, then there's three days and three nights if he enters on a Friday night, then there's kind of some wiggle room for three days and three nights, but it's kind of like, well, <laughs> is it really truly full three days and three nights? I mean, obviously we can make it mean that, but uh, there is a debate there, and I want you guys to be aware of the debate, though I want to flat out say that it probably isn't a hugely important debate that we need to put our focus on. Um, so he either rests on Wednesday or he's betrayed on Wednesday. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mod Thursday, uh, Thursday, um, which is according to the Catholic tradition, um, and then passed on to Lutheran, Episcopalian, and even the um, Orthodox, uh, Eastern Orthodox has Mod Thursday. And it has to do with the, but um, that has to do with the original tradition of it being him being betrayed on Thursday. Um, so, so he goes to the garden and prays. I love the scene where he prays in the garden. Personally, if you've not read it, please read it. It is so beautiful. I love. The, even the imagery of the temple that's in the garden, like with his disciples, you know, like most of you get to stay here. I mean, the, the imagery, remember the temple? There's the, there's like the, the courtyard and then there's the holy place and then there's the holy of holies. There's imagery of, as he goes, he leaves most of his disciples here in the courtyard of the garden of Gethsemane and then he goes a little bit further into the, and it takes three of them with, the three go a little further into the holy of, uh, the the holy place, and then he goes off as the high priest into the holy of holies. There's temple imagery taking place in the Garden of Gethsemane as he goes in to pray. It's beautiful. Um, it's a wonderful passage. Um, he prays so hard that he's bleeding, uh, which is crazy. Uh, it's one of the passages where I see Jesus being so human. He's like, I know I need to, you know, a lot of times... A lot of times in the movies, you get that, you know, like the image, like, I'm off to die now. Like, they're all, and, you know, but you, in the, the Bible, he's like, I don't want to die. Let this cup pass from me. I don't want this. He's tempted at this point to run or pick up the swords. Peter's got one. Let's go ahead and start the revolution. Uh, he's tempted at this point. I love the human temptation that Jesus faces at this moment as he's struggling. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact he doesn't want to be tortured and killed. I mean, we could say because he's going to be separated from the Father, or the, but I think he knows what's going to happen in the end. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact he doesn't want to be tortured and killed. You know, we could go that way, and I see what you're saying, but I think that makes it a little, like, takes the real humanness out of Jesus. Like, okay, that's all just spiritual, because it's like, oh, well, he doesn't want to be too, you know, he doesn't want to lose, because we're focused on the spiritual out, and that may have something to do with it. Um, but in the, in the, as you read his prayer, it's nothing about, like, I don't want to be removed from your face, I don't, there's nothing of that. It's all... Ang- anguish. I, I, I really, th- I, I mean, I, I mean, and it may be the, the direction that they, you know, that he was thinking, I don't want to be removed from your, fa- your, your face, and I don't want to take on B-San. I don't want to be that. But I really think it has a lot to do with just the fact that he doesn't want to be tortured and killed. I mean, he's going to be beat so bad that they says he's unrecognizable. I mean, what person in their right mind? I mean, I know some people are masochists and likes being hurt a little bit, but but that is a bit far. <laughs> um, 
I mean, in their right mind, I just, I mean, he, he, and then of course you also have the image in this passage where his disciples are falling asleep as he's praying. Of course, it makes sense that they're falling asleep. It's late. I don't know about you, but I'd probably be sleeping. Nine o'clock rolls around, I can't keep my eyes open. <laughs> um, you know, and it's late. They're falling asleep. And, and, and he's like, you know, you guys need to pray. You need to stay awake. You need to, you know, um, the hour is near. And uh, there's a wonderful imagery for us as well as we think, that, you know, about the return. Of, of course, Jesus says he doesn't know when the return will be. It seems in his, his mind that it will be real quick. Peter and Paul seemed like it'd be like they thought it was going to be in their lifetimes. And, I mean, it reads like it's going to happen like right there. So I think every generation since Jesus has been expecting their generation to be the last generation. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. <laughs> um, I remember having a conversation with uh, my grandma, actually. And she says, I never thought I'd make it this old because I thought she was going to come back before then. Uh, and I think a lot of generations have been like that. Uh, of course, Paul talks like it's tomorrow. And um, I think there's a lot of that. Um, so then what happens next? Judas comes with, his, uh, with the Roman soldiers and the temple guards, and he kisses. Stay here. I'll kiss the one who's Jesus. I always wondered about this. It's a lot like... The, the temple guard's like, oh, which one is Jesus? I, <laughs> I always wondered about this because, um, like, you know, he's causing all this trouble. I know I can understand the Romans not knowing who Jesus was. But, like, the temple guard, he just ran people out with a whip. They don't know who he is. I thought, it, like, a wanted poster would be up on the wall of the temple. <laughs> but um, it has to do with the witness of this is the one you want. I'm telling you, my, I'm giving you my witness. This is who it is. And so he kisses him, and um, and uh, the Roman soldiers will arrest him. And Peter, of course, gotta love Peter. Yeah, put that shoe right in your feet. He pulls that sword out. Let's start this battle now. Let's start this revolution now. Oh, cut off! He cuts off the guy's ear. Um, and Jesus, at that moment, does something that most of us wouldn't, they surely would never amount. I mean, he picks up the ear and heals it. We're not going to do it this way. Can you imagine being that Roman guard who's expecting you to act like all the other messiahs that have come before, and this is exactly what you're expecting, is them to start a battle, and you're going to kill them. That's exactly what you're expecting. It was, uh, in a way. Um, there's some argument about that, but that's... <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so it's... Um, but... Um, so, um, sorry. Uh, yeah, so he goes to, he's betrayed, and they arrest him, and um, the disciples all flee. Which disciples stick around? 
Peter. And there's one more. John. John goes and takes care of his mother. She, he flees to where his mother's at, takes care of her. Peter flees and then backtracks and kind of stays in the background until someone says, aren't you the one that was with them? And I that wasn't me. I wasn't with them. Um, of course, that happens um, three times. Um, and Jesus uh, goes um, before Ananias, um, Ananias, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, um, to decide if they're even going to charge him. And then they go to before the high priest, Caiaphas, um, and uh, the Jewish council, and um, the witnesses disagree about... Uh, you guys remember the story? Like, like they can't even agree amongst themselves. Uh, so there's no solid, like, you got two solid witnesses that are saying, let's, they're not agreeing. Jesus refuses to answer any um, questions. So he's convicted of blasphemy illegally, truthfully. Um, so, and that's around the time that Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. And, um, and he'll be renewed three times as they're eating on the beach. Um, what a beautiful story that one is, too. Um, so early in the morning, he's taken to uh, Pilate's palace and charged with political crimes. Pilate himself thinks he's innocent. I don't have anything to, to do with this. Um, Pilate sends Jesus to Herod Antipas, uh, the guy who had John executed. And um, Jesus refused to talk. Um, <laughs> Herod and his soldiers dress him up as king. Now, Herod's already got a, um, a bone to pick with Jesus. Do you guys remember what that is? Why would he dress him up as king? That's right. He was, his prophecy is to be the king of the Jews. Herod already held that title legally. By the Roman governor, he had been given the title of king of the Jews. So dressing him up as a, and mocking him and beating him as king is to say, you're not the real king. I am. That ties back all the way to the beginning of the, of the book, of the Gospels. Herod had that title, King of the Jews, and said, make fun of him. Here's the King of the Jews. That's also why he's going to put it on the cross. Here's your King of the Jews. I'm the real King, is what Herod's saying. Um, so, um, Pilate himself will offer to release Jesus to the crowd and chooses Barabbas. Uh, but the crowd chooses Barabbas. Barabbas was a known um, murderer, a convicted felon. And they want, want him instead. He's an instigator. Let's have him instead. Um, we don't want Jesus. Um, 
So Judas hears about this and tries to return his betrayal to the payment to the priest. They refuse it. He buys apparently some property with a tree on it. Hangs himself. The it breaks. The rope breaks. Dogs eat him. That all goes back to prophecy. You know, that's a good question. A lot of people think so. What he has said was, is Barabbas a type of scapegoat? Um, and the scapegoat was, it goes back to the idea of the Azazel goat, um, which is uh, Aramaic for goat that goes. It's a goat that you were to stone and drive it out of the town, and it represents the sin being on that goat and being cast out into the desert. Uh, no. Uh, in this case, we would not be because Jesus has taken our sins. But, um, but some people say that Barabbas was a type of scapegoat, that they were freeing him and sending him out as Jesus was the goat to die. Because there's always two goats, one that dies and one that escapes. And so a lot of people tie it into that tradition that Barabbas is the scapegoat, and Jesus is the goat that dies. The Bible does not actually say that. But there's some, uh, so, but it's a, it's a theory. I kind of like it, but I'm going to put a but there. Because um, that's the way I am, right? You guys know that. <laughs> um, there are theories, and... Um, I kind of like that idea because there's always, in, in the, the Jewish culture around um, when you drive out, when you, you kill one goat and you drive out another. Um, anyways. Um, yeah, Jesus is killed on the hill of Golgotha which means the skull. Um, in Latin, it, it's Calvary, um, where Jesus will be uh, crucified. Oh, I meant to say this last week, well, several weeks now. These kind of maps, I've had several of these kind of maps up there, these topographical maps. They're all taken from the Nelson's 3D Bible map, if you're interested. It's an old computer program, but you can get it on Logos for next to nothing now. Um, so, uh, I know some of you are asking about it, and I meant to tell you where it was from. But Nelson's 3D Bible map. There's also a Nelson's Bible book that's pretty good, and I use that one quite a bit. And it's got charts and stuff in it, too. But this is the 3D Bible map, and it's a computer program. The... Um, it's a little dated, right? You know, the, the artwork's a little dated, but you can get it. I think I picked this one up on Logos for like eight bucks or something like that. Um, so, I personally love looking at the typographical maps. I think it helps me understand the Bible and the shape of the land. Um, I truthfully would love to go walk this land and, and read my scriptures with it and to see how it would have looked. and uh, That's one of my dreams. Um, 
All right, next video. <laughs> so we're walking through the Gospel of Luke, and we've reached the end of Jesus' long road trip to Jerusalem. He's arrived. So he rides a donkey down the Mount of Olives towards the city, and all these crowds are forming, and people are singing, Praise the King who comes in the name of the Lord. They're laying down their cloaks in front of him. Now why all this royal treatment? Okay, so Israel's ancient prophets promised that one day God himself would arrive and rescue his people and rule the world. Other times, the prophet spoke about a coming king who would ride into Jerusalem to bring justice and peace. So Jesus is activating all these hopes that he's that king, and everyone's ecstatic. Well, not everybody. The religious leaders, they think Jesus is a threat to their power, and so they're not happy. But even more striking, Jesus himself is distraught. He's actually weeping as he rides. Yeah, why? Well, Jesus can see what is coming. He knows that he won't be accepted as Israel's king, and he knows that Israel will keep going down a destructive path, neglecting the poor, stirring up rebellion against their Roman oppressors, and he knows that it will lead to death. It breaks his heart. And it riles him up. The first thing he does in Jerusalem is march into the temple courts and he drives out the money changers, disrupting the entire sacrificial system. Yeah, he's staging a prophetic protest and he stands in the center of the courtyard shouting out words from Israel's ancient prophets. This is supposed to be a place of worship, but you've made it a den of rebels. A den of rebels? Yeah, he's quoting from the prophet Jeremiah, who stood in this same spot, the center of Israel's religious and political power. And he offered the same critique of Israel's leaders, that they're rebellious and corrupt. And they get the message and start to plan to have him killed. Which is no surprise to Jesus. In fact, he planned that all of this would happen during Passover. This is the Holy Week when Jewish people celebrate their ancient story of how God liberated them from slavery and invited them into a covenant relationship. And so Jesus uses the symbols of Passover to reveal the meaning of his coming death. The broken bread was his broken body, and the wine was his blood that would establish a new covenant relationship between God and Israel. Jesus was going to die for his people and open up a new way forward. After the meal, Jesus takes his disciples to a garden to pray. And he struggles with the very human desire to save his life instead of sacrificing it. But he overcomes this temptation. And it's here where the religious leaders with the temple guards find him and arrest him. Now, Jerusalem was being ruled by the Roman Empire. And so the temple leaders couldn't execute Jesus without permission from their Roman governor, a man named Pontius Pilate. And so they make up this charge that Jesus is a rebel king stirring up revolution against the Roman emperor. Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answers, you say so. So Pilate can see that Jesus is an innocent man and he doesn't deserve death. But the leaders keep insisting that he is dangerous. So they negotiate a compromise. Pilate will release an actual rebel against Rome, a man named Barabbas, instead of Jesus. And so the innocent is handed over in the place of the guilty. Jesus is taken away with two other accused criminals and nailed to a Roman execution device. And people are mocking him. Hey, if you're the messianic king, save yourself and us. But Jesus loved his enemies to the very end, offering hope to one of the criminals dying beside him. And he even prayed for his executors. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then the sky darkened as an innocent man died the death of a rebel. And then Jesus cried out with ancient words from Israel's Psalms, 
Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then Jesus died, innocent and alone. I do like the Bible Project. Um, seven last statements from the cross. How many of you guys have, have read the seven last statements of the, the cross? The gospel all kind of focus on different aspects of Jesus' life as he's on the cross and different things they focus on because of it ties up the the things their their messages are right um, you know because as we said there you know there are different um, different authors with different goals so they have uh, there's seven last statements um, that all tie together um, Luke uh, 23 and 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Uh, remember Luke being the universal uh, Christ, being for all people, and the one who's the healer and the, showing the mercies, and, and that's the Christ. Luke is making the statement that he's for all people, and says, forgive them, they're not doing it. Um, And it does make sense to us that the first thing that Jesus would talk about from the cross is forgiveness, right? That's why he's doing it. Um, the next one is to Mary. Uh, woman, here is your son. To John, here is your mother. Uh, he's giving over his um, firstborn rights. Uh, to care for his mother, to John. Which is interesting, considering that we know that there are other brothers. Um, but it does show Jesus' earthly love for his mother and his care for her. And also it shows the closeness of John for... Um, To John and Jesus. Um, to, and that happens in the book of John, obviously. In Luke, we have another words of, um, uh, another statement, being the universal Christ for all people, the Christ for all people, to the sinner on the cross next to him. The criminal on cross. I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. It's not just for the people in the temple who follow the rules. It's for the guy on the cross too. Um. I'm thirsty. 
John 19, 28. For after this, and we could switch this one with the next one. Some people do. Um, we've, they're in different books, so we can't really know. <laughs> um, I'm thirsty. Uh, Jesus knowing that, that the last everything was completed in order that the scriptures would be filled, he said, I'm thirsty. That's kind of a confusing passage, isn't it? Why would the scriptures need him to be thirsty? Um, it actually goes back to Psalm 69, verse 21, where it says, They also gave me gall for food, and for my first they gave me vinegar to drink. And what's it say that they did? They stick the sponge in vinegar and raise it up to his lips for him to drink. See, when I read that scriptures, I missed that. I'm like, why in the world? I had to look it up because as you read it, you're like, why in the world would they need the scriptures needed to be thirsty? Psalm sixty-nine twenty-one. It does show that he's very human. He's bleeding out. <laughs> yeah, but it does show he's very human. Man. He's bleeding out here. I mean, it makes sense that he's thirsty, right? If he's bleeding out, he's going to be his body's going to be craving the water that you need to produce more blood. Um, the next one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, Martin Luther. Not King. Martin Luther uh, once said, God forsaking God, who can understand it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was. Um, the, the human part of him was, I mean, he is the sacrifice. And in order to be the sacrifice, he must take upon sin himself. And God, therefore, has to forsake him. You're right. This is the only place he doesn't address him as father. He said, my God. Yeah, that's right. He said he became sin. And so as he became sin, he becomes forsaken. Um, which is, but still, I do like what Martin Luther says. Who can understand it? <laughs> um, right, that's why he says he turned his face from him, because he can't look upon sin.
you're, he was fully God and fully man, but you're right. He never like taps into his, and that was actually one of the temptations, right? Yeah, tone the stone into bread. Show us how godly you are. Um, yeah, you know, that's uh, one of those things that, uh, yeah, he never, like, says, I'm God, and I'm going to just be God here on earth. He does say, you know, but he becomes, he, he is fully God and fully human, and he takes on that sin, and it's, um, which is, is, you know, as I read this, and I understand that the Trinity, you know, it's one God, three aspects, but you can see why people do say, do get confused and say, oh, there's only, there's three different gods. You can see how they get confused. I mean, you're reading this. You can see how that confusion comes in there. It is a mystery, but you can see where this confusion comes from. I mean, that's what the biggest complaint Muslims, Islamic people have with the scriptures is because they don't understand the Trinity. They say, we have three gods. Mormons say, wait, yeah, we have three gods. And because they, um, because they read passages like this, and God is judging God. And they, it's, it's, it's one of those things that we can't wrap our heads around fully because we can't do that. <laughs> um, there was no way we could be, have three different aspects. We can't even be in three different places at the same time. How many of us have tried that? <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, no, it's... Um, yeah. You're going to have to remind me what 50 Philippians 2 is. Right, right. And that's what um, Michael was saying just there. Um, right. Um, and, and I think that's very true. And it helps us understand what's going on there. Um, and we... Um, um, anyway. Uh, so, um, what's the next statement? Um, it is finished. And John, it says, I'm finished. And then the last one, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit.
Um, I, I guess it could be. I always thought about it as like when he died, the 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 veil was tr- the 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 temple veil was. Um, uh, yeah, that's how I took it too. Is 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 it's finished? I've done. I'm the sacrifice. That's I'm here. Your debt is is paid. Yeah, it's yeah. It, this is it's it's done. I, I'm done. I, I'm I'm. This is now. Of course, at that point, he also can't. Serve. It's not like he could come off the cross and live. Um, though some people do claim that uh, Muslims do believe that um, that Jesus didn't fully die. He got come off the cross early and went and, and that's how he um, and then he went to the cool cave and was revived and was able to, to, to live I'm not going there I'm just saying that's what they believe <laughs> yeah he did he finished what he came to do um, and then the last statement into your hands I um commit my spirit I'm done it's finished I've paid my debt I'm 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 dead whatever you choose to do with me God now is is your your choice that's right uh yeah we know that he does come back um but it's God, he's like, I'm, I'm dead. If I, you know, if this is, if I'm a good, you know, if this is, I, it's your, tr- it's, you know, I'm, I'm dead. <laughs> Do what you want. Yeah. That's right. Not one of them will be broken. Well, he was probably up high and went underneath the rib, to be honest with you. Um, well, interesting enough, normally if they want to speed up death, they don't stab you, they break your legs. But they didn't for some reason for him. It's right, the prophecy, because it wasn't going to happen. And uh, um, you know, as I think about these last seven words, though, I think it may, as we, we think about the Gospels being different and the same, I actually think it helps with validity that not all the Gospels are focusing on the same last thing. I mean, if they all said, this is what Jesus said, and it was word for word, last statements, You'd be like, no, someone's copying something here. They don't contradict, but they also aren't the same. And I think that helps with validity. I mean, how many times do we, we think that we, we come into a con- conversation and we're listening to the same conversation? We hear different things. We pick up on different things. We're writing it and it takes different, we have different focal points. And uh, I think it helps. Um, 
Yes. Sure. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Um, I, I honestly don't know. There is not enough evidence for me to say. I know what my tradition has taught me, but as for actual, like, like there's enough evidence for me to know for sure. I, I don't have enough. I don't have that information. I know according to the tradition that has been handed down for me, he went to hell and freed the, the uh, but as for actually in the scriptures that I can back it up and say this is why and this is, I don't have that, that kind of information. I just don't. Um, so I can say what the tradition is, that he went to hell, to Hades, and freed the, 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 those who are in bondage in, in Hades and, and the grave and uh, forgiving those, and even for two days, three days, he did miracles down there, according to some traditions. Um, where that, how they would even know, I, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, but I can't give you, it's, you know, I can't give you any information that's not there. Um, as uh, from from the pulpit, I just can't say that with any kind of certainty that. So. Um, Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Ooh, we're running out of time. All right. Um, I want to talk about the resurrection. I want to get through life of Jesus today, so we'll get on to the Acts next week. Um. When the women arrive at the grave, they find it empty. Um, at the tomb, let's see, yeah. We're not exactly sure which. There is a traditional site of Jesus' um, tomb. If you go over there, they'll say, this is the tomb. Um, and then there's another place that says, no, this is the tomb. And then there's a third place that says, no, this is the tomb. Uh, the truth is, we're not sure. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's like actually a, a there's actually one place that they say is, is that it's got like a monument built a church built over top of it and you can go down and you can see the tomb and have you been there? Um, Greece Orthodox teach yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there's actually, I think, three or four different locations where people say it's the, the tomb. Uh, yeah. Um, so, I can't say with any certainty where it's at. Neither can historians. They argue all the time about it. There's good books out there if you're interested on the arguments for the different locations. Um, but, he was buried, <laughs> and they come back after the holidays, and that stone has been rolled away, and tomb is empty. Um, Mary Magdalene meets with Jesus, it says, uh, though he doesn't recognize who he is at first. Um, 
And of course, we start to wonder, like, how much does Jesus look like Jesus? Or I just wasn't expecting to see Jesus. I mean, there's some good questions there. I mean, he at least looks enough like Jesus that they recognize him later on. And even has the scars of his suffering. They might have been. And very possible. I mean, of course, if you see someone that's dead, you probably like, no, I'm surely not. You just, you know, that's not him. And then, you, you know, uh, of course, uh, ghosts were very popular at that time period. Uh, big ghosts are new to our era. No, it's, they were very popular at the time. So that's one of the reasons why he eats the food, because ghosts can't eat food. Uh, <laughs> um You don't recognize them. Well, how many how many of us had to learn what each other looked like again after the mask mandate came off? <laughs> I remember. I know there's several people here that joined during the mask mandate. I had no idea when they took the mask off. I had no idea. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> oh yeah. Because <laughs> um, I didn't know what they looked like without a mask on. Uh, so yeah, it could be a beard issue. Um, Maybe a combination of everything, you know, like you're not expecting to see someone, he's got a beard, he's been purified, he's in his, you know, so, but there's some questions, like exactly how much does Jesus look like Jesus, you know? Um, so there's definitely some recognition, but how much? I mean, there's some good question there. Um, you know, if we're recognized, you know, you know, in heaven, like, what age are you going to be when you get to heaven? <laughs> uh, right? Do I, is it, do I just get to lose the glasses? Because that's an imperfection. And then you guys won't recognize me when I have the glasses on. <laughs> um, I, you know, there's some good questions there. Um, anyways, so at the tomb, Mary Magdalene meets with Jesus. Um, uh, Matthew, um, uh, there's a scene at uh, near the tomb where Mary Magdalene and the other Mary are, are meet him. Um, there's the on the road to Emmaus, um, which is I wrote it down number three over there. There it is over there. There's Emmaus. Uh, yeah, there's a seven mile road. Um, Um, number seven is actually the Mount of Olives on there. Um, I've actually, yeah, um, anyways. Um, there, then, uh, number four, he, he appears to the, uh, the disciples in the upper room where the disciples, and he allows them to touch and feel and, and he eats fish and, um, he's shows up, but he shows up behind locked doors with Thomas. Like he just kind of like. Which would have, like, I mean, you're not a ghost, but you're just showing up. I don't know, climbed in the window. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's it. We only know four dimensions. And, um, well, yeah, I wonder in 100 years, 
what we're going to know about that. <laughs> um, anyways. Yeah, come, touch, put your hand here in my side. See, you can put your hands in the holes from where my hand was. I would say so. There's also, we also have to see how much, um, there are also things of an interesting question though, um, how much does the scars of our sufferings remain with all of us? Was it just Jesus? Or is it all of us? Well, we our tears, but how much, I mean, Jesus kept his scars. I mean, well, but, I'm just saying, what does it mean for us? There's, there's an interesting question there that we can't know till we get the other side. But it, it's an interesting question. Interesting question. Sure. Uh, sure, we, I mean, there's no way we can possibly know that. Um, yeah, for those listening online, she said, is it possible that because he came back to this world and not to the Father, is it different? Is it, like, more recognizable, got the scars here versus in the heaven and they'll be washed away? And there's no possible way for us to know that because uh, we're not in heaven. We, I mean... Well, and I mean, of course, maybe we get to keep our scars, and it just even and they the the scars may not affect us in the same way anymore. I mean, yeah, I mean, why not? It's possible. It's a plausible explanation. I mean, we, we there's no way we can know this answer, but it's plausible that the scars remain, but the pain is gone. Um, but it does an interesting question. Um, yeah. Uh, where else does he appear? Um, by the Lake Tiberius, uh, with Peter, Thomas, Nathan, James, John, uh, they're, as they're cooking breakfast, you know, he, you know, he's out, Jesus is out there cooking breast, breakfast, come on in. And that's when he, uh, redeems Peter three times for his three times betrayal, um, on the hill in Galilee, um, he, he shows to the 11 disciples. Um, on the Damascus road, he appears to Saul, um, which is after he's resurrected, after he raises, he says that he's Paul, Saul, Saul, I'm Jesus who you're, it's not, I'm the Holy Spirit, I'm Jesus who, so he, there's something going on there, and you know, he's, coming to speak directly to Saul, um, you know, um, Paul in 1 Corinthians 5, uh, I'm sorry, 15, records separate appearance to Peter, James, the brother of Jesus, and to more than 500 of his followers. 
So. Yeah. Um, yeah, First Corinthians 15, that one is. Yeah, the resurrection chapter. Um, Acts 1 through 3 uh, notes that Jesus appears uh, many times over a 40-day period of his resurrection. So Jesus is popping up all over. <laughs> no, you don't. It says that he appears to those of his followers. Ain't that interesting for the people that are saying, well, I'll believe if God does this. And God could have chosen that path. Jesus could have said, well, I'm going to appear to Herod Antipas and say, nah. <laughs> but that wasn't the point. And, um, and it was, but he was, he was appearing to his followers. Um, yeah, go ahead, Emmaus. He does take over. Well, and also there's also a uh, a recognition there. Not only are they having visual representation, but they're smelling the same bread that they smelt as he broke it. There's the same moment of hey, I hand you the bread in the same manner. I mean, there's definitely um, definitely something there. Um, you know, of course that happens again when Peter is at the campfire. There would have been smell recognition there because he betrays him in front of the campfires. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so there's there's some you know there's definitely that issue that 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 all the senses are involved in this process. Very cool, huh? <laughs> um, yeah. All right, we're. All right. Um, I got two more slides. We're, you know, I know we're going over just a tad, but uh, I want to finish this tonight. So we're, so we're just, just a tad bit over. Um, understanding Jesus' uh, teaching, um, the teachings of Jesus. Um, uh, Jesus delivered his message in a spoken fashion. We have to remember that as we, we read his message. Too often we think that Jesus delivered it on written word because that's how we're receiving it. Jesus would have always spoken. Jesus uh, shared fundamental assumptions with his audience. Uh, Jesus needed to find an effective way to communicate his message and the goal of changing people, challenging people to make decisions to enter the kingdom. Um, He would always, um, uh, 
um, end of the age. Yeah, you know, I'm, I know I'm, I'm going, we're over, out of time, but uh, the second coming, um, uh, Jesus, uh, um, events that will precede Jesus' second coming, since we're talking about Jesus. These are the events that are, that are, are, are predicted, will, uh, that are this, the apostasy, which means turning to other God, religions, turning away from Christ. Uh, rise of the Antichrist, there's plural, actually it should be plural there. Uh, betrayal, earthquakes, false Christ, um, false prophets, false signals and uh, signs and um, miracles, famines, increased eagle, internally internal strife, persecution of believers, pestilence, unparalleled distress, wars and rumors of war, wars, and worldwide proclamation of the gospel. Which, to be honest with you, if you're wondering where, you know, we see all these other things, we have not seen worldwide proclamation of the gospel. There's a great deal of people that have never, you know, people groups that are never heard the gospel. Um, well, the world's not respected, but there's people out there that we haven't even gotten to yet. <laughs> um, um, it is, it is. Um, you know, ways right now, there's more people that are not accepting, um, and then we'll, and we'll flow it out, and it'll go back and forth. Um, you know, we're over time. I'm not going to talk about this. If you want to know about uh, hermeneutics um, and um, criticism of the, the, the material, um, I'll go through it real quick for, so you can go back to it on the slides. Um, I talked a great deal about this at the beginning of the Old Testament section. So you can go find that material online. If you go to sermons. Tuesday teachings, Old Testament, the, the whole large section um, of the different criticisms and, um, and that whatnot. Um, and um, I'm just not going to repeat myself. Um, <laughs> but, um, and mostly because I don't, I, yeah, I, that won't take up the whole next time. And I want to go to Acts because... I, you know, I want to be an X next week. So, <laughs> And since I'm teaching, I get to decide. We're going to X next week. <laughs> um, all right. Do we have any other questions, statements? All right. Life of Jesus in a nutshell, very quickly. Uh, I spent, what, five, six weeks on this? That was very quick. Um, we could spend weeks upon weeks upon weeks in just Jesus' life. But... We won't. We'll go on to Acts next week, and uh, then we'll tackle also the the letters and the epistles of, of Paul and the others, and mm. we'll end with Revelation. And if you want to really know about Revelation, you just go see David and take his class that he offers, because <laughs> he's going to do more detail than I'm going to for the purpose of this class. <laughs> but he does a good job with that. Um, 
All right. Any questions, comments, concerns? All right. Let's pray and uh, dismiss. Father God, we praise you today, Lord. We thank you for your wonderful blessing, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done for us and uh, just the gift that you have gifted us with, Lord. We pray that uh, uh, we just go from here with a, a, a spirit uh, to read your scriptures and to proclaim it uh, as we, we seek your truth. Um, bring healing on this hurting world. Um, as we pray, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.